How's it going, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, you're welcome. joined here today by Zach and Anthony. Anthony, how you doing today? What's going on, Zach? Recording on a late night. Uh, really excited to talk about the Panthers, so let's get it rolling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, before we get into it, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Zach Hernan, Z-A-C-H-H-E-R-N-A-N. Anthony, let the folks know where they can find you at. All right, guys. The main social is Twitter. It'll be Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, underscore 49ers. All right. And like Anthony said, uh, we're just going to go ahead and dive into things here. It was a pretty eventful week for the 49ers. Um, mainly, they acquired some new talent. Anthony, uh, talk to us about the new wide receiver that's going to be casting, catching passes on Sunday from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think with how poor the wide receiver unit has been playing, Emmanuel Sanders is going to get a crap ton of targets. Even if their relationship with Jimmy G isn't there, Emmanuel Sanders is very sure-handed. He's a reliable wide receiver, and I think he just fits well in this Kyle Shanahan offense. So Kyle Shanahan also has uh, raved about Emmanuel Sanders previously. And so I think he kind of foretold that Sanders was going to be a Niner eventually. So having Sanders on his team is going to be huge. He's uh, even in an offense that hasn't passed the ball much. I think Sanders will finally open the door for Jimmy Garoppolo to just air it out and really rack up some yards because we need to see it from him. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Definitely not. Um, ha- passing hasn't been a large part of their offense this far into the season. Um, I was looking up the stats, and they ranked last in the NFL with only 49 catches from wide receivers this season, and second worst with 679 yards receiving. It's pretty interesting how you can have that poorly uh, ranked of a area of your team and still be one of two undefeated teams in the NFL uh, at six and zero. So it's interesting to see how they can still manage to overcome that weakness. Um, how do you think the acquisition of Emmanuel Sanders changes how opposing defenses have to prepare for this 49ers offense? See, I think it's hard for teams in general to really key in on how Kyle Shanahan's offense works. And even if he doesn't have the weapons like he did did in Atlanta, he still makes uh, he still makes everything that he has at his disposal useful. So I think teams are really gonna focus on Emmanuel Sanders because Sanders is a lot older. Uh, he's coming off a pretty good injury, but so far this season he's looked pretty good, and that's with Joe Flacco throwing him the ball. So I think defenses will finally have something to focus on because you haven't really seen much production out of Debo, Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis. So the Niners haven't really had that major receiving threat that can really scare defenses. And I don't think Sanders will necessarily scare defenses, but I think he'll keep them on their toes just enough to where DBs are really going to have to focus on him. And hopefully that should open up the pass game for other guys, not just Sanders as well. So... Sanders is an entirely new dynamic to this offense. He is a very refined route runner. He has very sure hands. I believe he's 30 for 30 on his targets and catches this year. He doesn't have a single drop. And even if his numbers don't really show it, the guy can ball. Even at his age, the guy is just having a pretty pretty solid season so far. So defenses are really going to have to key in on the fact that Sanders is going to get the ball from Garoppolo. And they're just gonna be have to they're just gonna have to be ready for it because Sanders can uh, 
you know, even at his age, he can still do it all. I still think he's pretty reliable. Yeah, the guy is a, a professional route runner, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, like you said, coming in here, Kyle has shed, said already that he expects Sanders to play a significant amount of the game against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. I think a large part of that is due to the fact that the 49ers um, do have Coach Rick Scaccarello as their um, – or he, he did serve in Denver as their offensive coordinator. So Sanders is already a little bit familiar or probably a lot familiar with uh, Scangarello's, you know, play calls, you know, all the, the things that go into learning an offense. He kind of knows the majority of it. I know he was saying already during this press conference that some of the words are different. Some of the key phrases are different. But for the most part, uh, it was a pretty seamless transition for him. So I think it's going to be a huge addition to this 49ers offense. And I think it was very telling that they made this choice. I mean, I know the timing is obviously because of the trade deadline coming up. They needed to make it. And, you know, there were different factors that came into play. But also due to the fact that the Patriots just went out and acquired Mohamed Sanu from the Falcons. So I think they're definitely trying to stay, you know, up to par with what the Patriots are doing and trying to prove that, you know, they're they're, they're all in. They know their window is right now. They know their window is... um, you know, wide open right now. So they're trying to go, trying to make the most of it. They're trying to do everything they can to make this team uh, as strong as possible. They recognize that wide receiver was an area of weakness so far. And they made out, they made, uh, went out and made a, made a trade. And I really, really liked that. Um, what did you think of um, the other wide receivers? How do you think, I know you, you spoke on that a little bit, how do you think this is going to impact guys like Marquise Goodwin or even some of the younger guys, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, um, even guys, you know, say like a Jalen Hurd who hasn't even seen a regular season snap. Does this mean that he's not going to see the regular season at all? Yeah, it's a pretty tricky situation. I mean, Shanahan and the Niners don't seem to be afraid to just <clears throat> just slam someone on the IR right away like... You see guys that will have the chance of coming back on the IR, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, nah, we're just going to keep him out for the rest of the season. I mean, that happened with Contavious Street. Uh, God, I think there's a couple other IR candidates that happened too. But the point being, going to what you're saying, is that if Sanders performs well and Goodwin, Pettis, when Debo comes back healthy, if he does play this week, I think he will, uh, they all perform pretty well, and it doesn't seem like there's a major problem. I don't think Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor come back off of IR. And the thing is, is that there's so many mouths to feed on this offense already. And Jalen Hurd has so much upside. I think when you have a back injury like he does, I don't think you should risk it at all. And I know Taylor has the foot injury, but he has a pretty decent injury history too. So I don't mind IR stashing those guys, especially if the ball is moving really well. And even then, the Niners still have a chance to bring one of them back just in case the wide receiver unit isn't performing too well. So I think with the way the wide receiver room is shaping out as it is, I think it should be pretty okay. Emmanuel Sanders' impact will be huge. It really will be. Like I said, he's a refined route runner. He's got sure hands. He will get a lot of attention from the defense. So we just got to hope that that attention opens up uh it just opens up plays for guys like Debo, Pettis, Goodwin, and so on. So I don't think it impacts them too much, but 
if Sanders doesn't perform well, then I think there's a serious problem with the wide receiver unit. Whether it's just Shanahan's play calling or Jimmy Grappler throwing the ball or the wide receiver coach, you know, it could be anything. And I'm just praying to God Sanders will, uh, Sanders will have a game. Now, I don't want Sanders to just, you know, blow everything up like 12 catches, 200 yards. You know, I'm not really looking for that, although it would be nice. I just want to see a wide receiver that Garoppolo can build trust with, a wide receiver that can actually catch and contest his passes because we've seen a lot of times where the wide receivers just, they don't necessarily give up on the ball, but you get the feeling that they're not putting their 100% into really contesting it. So I'm really hoping Sanders brings that, and I think he will, but I just really want to see the guys just be impactful as a whole because... The poor performance from the wide receiver unit can really only go so far. I mean, there's going to be days when the defense sucks, when the run game sucks, and you're going to need to rely on Jimmy G to throw the ball, and if the wide receivers can't do it, then I think there's a serious problem. So Sanders should mask that if it is a problem, but otherwise, I think the wide receiver unit is okay for the time being. We really need to see Garoppolo throw, like, 30 35 passes consistently for us to really have a serious opinion and like you come out of games like the rams and the redskins where you didn't really need to pass the ball or you felt like you didn't really need to move the ball downfield much so i think this panthers game will be a true testament to how jimmy g can really throw the ball and how well the wide receivers can get open yeah um it's it's, it's definitely going to be interesting i think like you were saying you know the more things you do well, the harder it is for opposing teams to stop you. Um, if you make yourself one-dimensional, if you make yourself only, you know, you run the ball really well and that's it, then as soon as they take away that run game, you're, you're shot. You have no offense. You have no, you know, capability of big plays. You have no scoring capability. So the fact that they're looking to upgrade their passing offense, which kind of will definitely make their offense more explosive, more dynamic, it gives this team a, a much larger chance of being successful at a, a postseason run, um, so it, it's it's nice to see that this Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch regime is taking it seriously, and they're definitely doing everything in their power to enhance this team and to make you know them better and, and make them more of a, a quality opponent for opposing teams. I have one last question for you on the whole Emmanuel Sanders acquisition before we get into Sunday's matchup against the Panthers. I saw a lot of people talking about that. The price was too rich. What did you think about that? I mean, they gave up. Uh, they they got Sanders and a 2020 fifth round pick, and they traded. Uh, what did they trade? A, a 2020 uh, fourth and fifth round pick, I, I believe, or a third and fourth round pick. My bad. Yeah, third and fourth. Um, you know, you look at wide receivers who are available, like AJ Green, Mohamed Sanu, Robbie Anderson now, and it's like. Emmanuel Sanders just, you know, I, I love the guy as a receiver, and I think just something about him just fits this team. And I know Shanahan really pushed hard for Sanu, but, I mean, Sanu went for a second-round pick. And even if it's going to be in the mid-60s because the Patriots are good, a second-round pick is still really rich for a wide receiver like his caliber. And Sanu is solid, but you're really gambling on how effective he can be and I mean the Patriots offense is just unreal so we gotta see how he's gonna be worked in but in my honest opinion I don't think it was too rich I mean the Niners are in win now mode 
you know, it's not like they sacrifice serious capital. The third and fourth round picks are likely going to be in the high 50s, low 60s. Or not, third and fourth? Yeah, high 50s, low 60s, I believe. No, no, no. <laughs> it's like 90s and 100s. You know, it's gonna be they're going to be pretty high picks. So the point being is that I don't think the value of those picks are as rich as people make it. Because if the Niners are winning and they're going deep in the playoffs, one, that tells you the team is already built pretty well as it is. And two, that, again, that just incredibly diminishes the value of those draft picks. So I don't think it's too rich. And if Emmanuel Sanders is playing one hell of a game and having one hell of a season for the Niners, then everyone's going to forget what we traded him for, especially if he helps us get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I guarantee you won't even be brought up if he helps us get his, get to a Super Bowl. Um, the thing that I kind of the way I look at it is this Broncos team. They're not picking towards the end of any round, any draft, uh, especially you know this upcoming draft. They're not doing good. They're going to have an early round pick. Uh, so essentially, I like to think about it as just trading back into the fourth round, going back. I don't know, ten, fifteen spots. And then you essentially gave up a third rounder for a starting caliber wide receiver in Emmanuel Sanders. And I think that's that's a heck of a bargain. I mean, you can't find that today. And I don't think you could find, you know, you'll be pressed to find a starting caliber wide receiver in the third round to begin with. And let alone find one with the precise route running capability of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, also, not to mention, I know you said the Niners wanted Sanu, and it makes sense because Kyle coached with him and in Atlanta, and he would know the system, but they don't, they don't have a second-round pick. They gave it up to get D Ford, so it was literally not an option for the 49ers uh, unless they were willing to package a player or and some picks together. I'm not quite sure how that would have worked out, but I, I don't think this was too rich of an acquisition at all. I think it was the perfect price. They didn't give up too much. They were able to get not only a player, but a draft pick back in return. So I think it was the perfect, perfect scenario for the 49ers to enhance their team while not giving up too much at the same time. Uh, having said all of that, let's look into where uh, Emmanuel Sanders will fit into on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers, who are on a four-game winning streak. They have Kyle Allen under center now, even though uh, I believe Cam was capable of coming back this week, but head coach Ron Rivera said they were just going to go ahead and keep him out just for the sake of it. Kyle Allen's playing really well. They want to kind of mess that up. Um, what do you think? What do you think? Um, the real deal about Kyle Allen is, do you think he's a capable starter? Do you think he's going to be the guy moving forward for Carolina? Or do you think it's kind of a fluke? He's kind of just playing well thanks to a strong running game and Christian McCaffrey and a strong defense. What are your thoughts on Kyle Allen? You know, he's been pretty serviceable as a starter, but I saw this crazy stat where it's like Kyle Allen threw like the third most uncatchable balls or like he has the like highest rate of uncatchable thrown balls. <laughs> And I think that's kind of crazy because he has a really good receiving cast. I mean, Greg Olson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and of course, Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, when you have playmakers like that on all sides of the ball, I think it's really easy for him to inflate his numbers. I mean, 
Christian McCaffrey can break two tackles and bust out for 50 yards on a swing pass that looked like was only going to be five yards. So when you have playmakers like that, I think it's really easy to just blow it up and make Kyle Allen look like this really, really good quarterback. And now I'm not knocking him. I mean, he's been getting the job done. The numbers have been showing it somewhat, although they aren't too impressive. But the point is, is that Kyle Allen is playing a serviceable quarterback role while Cam Newton is, quote, out. So I don't think Kyle Allen is a major threat, but he has a decent arm talent where to where he can move the ball down the field pretty well if he's accurate. And I honestly don't think this is going to be a game against Kyle Allen. I think more so this is going to be a testament to our DBs against that receiving unit. Because like I said, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore are both really solid deep threats. And Greg Olson is sure-handed. And Christian McCaffrey is, you know, one of the best running backs and one of the best players in the game. So those guys can snap off and just break something huge so fast. So I think it's a matter of... Just getting Cal Allen, making sure he's pressured. But even if he has time in the pocket, those DBs and those safeties are going to have to cover their butts because those wide receivers can really ball out. So they're, I think, honestly, they're a bigger threat than Kyle Allen. So I want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, I think they've definitely bailed him out on a lot. I was looking up his stats, and it's interesting that he hasn't thrown for any interceptions. Uh, he's thrown for 900 yards, seven touchdowns. No interceptions in four games. However, his quarterback rating is 53.1, which is 16th. So he's not um, winning the games for Carolina. He's not going out there and making the big-time throws. He's not you know, placing the ball perfectly. He's just simply not making mistakes. And I say not making mistakes. I mean throwing them, throwing interceptions, because he does have um, a good amount of fumbles, if, if, I, if I'm reading correctly. I believe he's got five, six fumbles. Um, so the fact that that the quarterback rating alone should show that his wide receivers are really, really showing up big time. Uh, like you said, Samuel, uh, Greg Olson, Chuck, these guys are, you know, they're they're playing well. And it, it I don't know if, more so they're playing well for Kyle Allen more than Cam Newton or it was just early on in the season Cam only you know was there for two games so maybe now they're just starting to gel starting everything's starting to come together this offense is coming together and Kyle Allen just happens to be the beneficiary of that um I know he does significantly uh play not play worse under pressure so it's going to be a tough test for him going up against his 49ers defense with, you know, this vaunted defensive line, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead. These guys are going to be after him all day long. And along with a Levi Stadium that's going to be rocking, it's going to be a hostile environment. And it's definitely the biggest game of his young career. I, mean, I think he's only like 23 years old. So he's definitely not an experienced quarterback. He hasn't played, you know, in the big lights. He hasn't played any big games. I think this is going to be the biggest game, like I said. So it's going to be a test for him. But at the same time, it's going to be a test for the 49ers team. Because, you know, a measurement of being a good team is winning the games you're supposed to win. The 49ers are definitely supposed to win this game. Uh, I think the the line was at like six and a half points or five and a half points, something like that. 
So they're they're favored to win this game, even though they're going against potential MVP, like you said, and Christian McCaffrey. So this defense needs to come up big. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher. It's going to be a big test keeping McCaffrey under 100 yards. Um, I, I know that he'll probably likely top that in yards from scrimmage, total yards from scrimmage. I wouldn't doubt that at all. The guy is just a, a yards machine coming out of the backfield. So I think it'll be a huge test for the for the offense. I'm sorry, for the defense. And it'll also be a pretty big test for the offense. You know, they just acquired Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I would like to see him sort of take some more of the defenders away from the other wide receivers, George Kittle included, even some of the uh, running backs catching balls out of the backfield. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a big game, and it's arguably the biggest game the 49ers have played so far. I mean, I don't know which game you would say maybe the Rams game was you know as big of a game going into it as this Panthers game. But this Panthers game, depending on how things shape up in November, December, it could definitely have, you know, it could play into home field advantage. It could play into playoff seating. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but both of these teams are playing really well. They're both contenders in the NFC right now. So if the 49ers happen to lose this game, it could have pretty big, you know, it could factor in pretty, pretty largely down the field. So, um, it's going to be big. It's going to be big for both teams. Speaking of that, what do you think are some of the big Panthers strengths and some of their biggest weaknesses? And uh, how do you feel the 49ers will combat them? So we'll start with the offensive side of the ball for the Panthers. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to need to be limited. And, you know, the one weird thing is that Christian McCaffrey has blown up every other team he's played this season. But when they play the Buccaneers, something about that defense can just stop McCaffrey. Now, I know the last game in London, McCaffrey got two touchdowns. And, you know, touchdowns are touchdowns. But I think he was limited to just 60 total scrimmage yards. And we're talking about a guy who can bust out 100 yards on both sides of the ball. So limiting him, I think, is going to be huge. Uh, pressuring Kyle Allen, I saw a stat that said he was actually third best under pressure. I could be wrong. But I do know he's been pretty decent under pressure. So the pressure is going to have to come fast. DBs are going to have to cover fast wide receivers in Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. And if uh, Kyle Allen can just just make an error or a fumble or throw an interception, just put our defense in a good position, I think that'll be it. Now, Kyle Allen is going to have to face a serious pass rush for the first time. D. Ford, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. And I think the Panthers' offensive line is pretty average. Uh, we've seen them in the past years have just gotten Cam Newton crushed and crushed. And this season, it seems like they're performing pretty well. But all it takes is a couple sacks and just demoralize the offensive line and just tear them apart. So if Kyle Allen can just crumble under a bad offensive line with a good pass rush, I think that can set it up for us well. But this Panthers offense has the capabilities of just absolutely exploding. I mean, they can put up 30 and a half, honestly, 40 in a whole game. Like I said, that defense is ferocious. That offense is even more explosive. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel both can take the tops off of defenses, <laughs> defenses right quick. So 
limiting those guys, uh, it's going to be a huge testament for Sherman, Emmanuel Mosley, Kwan Williams, and those guys to just limit limit the wide receivers and just put a lot of pressure on them. Because like I said, those guys can burn almost any DB that can't press them off the line. So being able to limit an explosive offensive attack, and like I said, this includes DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson, you know, Kyle Allen just has playmakers at his disposal, and if those guys can get shut down, force Kyle Allen out of the pocket to make a play, like I said, he can throw a pretty uncatchable ball. So if we can just get him out, get him moving, close off the wide receivers, close off McCaffrey and Greg Olson, and just make him throw a stupid ball, let this defense get a turnover, I think that can set it up pretty quickly. You know, like you said, Kyle Allen has a fumbling problem, but he doesn't have an interception problem so far. If we can force him into some interceptions or some recovered fumbles just demoralize him, I think that can open up the Niners' uh, offensive attack overall pretty quickly. So one thing I want to say about the Panthers' offense is I think it's, it's boom or bust. I really believe that. Like I said, they have playmakers. But if you limit those guys, if you really contain them, make Kyle Allen play quarterback. <laughs> and I know I'm, ste- I'm stealing uh, Trayman Williams. I think he was talking about Trubisky in week one when the Packers played him. Anyways, uh, make Kyle Allen play quarterback. Make him have to make a big-time throw. Because if he can't even throw catchable balls, then the Panthers are going to have a really rough day against one of the best defenses in the league. So, overall... The strengths, the playmakers, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, those guys can take the top off the defense. That's a huge strength. Uh, the run game, if the offensive line can block well, Christian McCaffrey can bust off a huge play at any moment. And I would say those are the two big strengths, you know, playmakers and big playability. As for weaknesses on the offense, <laughs> I kind of roll with Kyle Allen. I think he is a weakness. Um... He's being saved by big-time playmakers. I mean, check down to Christian McCaffrey just, or like his saving grace. So Kyle Allen, you know, it's it's kind of tough to go off of because he's such a toss-up. Like, like he'll throw uncatchable balls, but guys will make huge plays for him. So it doesn't really show on the stat sheet, but at any moment, he could either bust off a big play or throw his first interception. So... Kyle Allen is still a toss-up. I think he's a weakness. And if the offensive line can't block well, they can't block well in the pass game, the run game, Kyle Allen and Christian McCaffrey are going to have fits. So I think it goes both ways. But the weaknesses, Kyle Allen and the offensive line, I really believe that. Interesting. Okay. I like it. Um, You went offense for one of their strengths. I'm going to go with the Panthers' defense. Uh, They rank... First in the NFL in sacks, and they are totally just playing lights out right now. They have 23 sacks and have forced 14 turnovers in the past four games alone. That's insane. And they had a whole bye week to prepare for this 49ers game. So they're definitely studying tendencies. They're going to be knowing what the 49ers like to do, you know. what. So I think they're, they're going to be in prime position to make – all day hell for the 49ers offense. Uh, the 49ers deep, or I'm sorry, the Panthers defense is definitely one of their strengths. I know a lot of, a lot of media coverage goes to their Christian McCaffrey or now that Kyle Allen's 
kind of the Cinderella story, but their defense is really, really playing extremely good football right now. Uh, their rookie, Brian Burns, he's playing good football. So, and even, you know, Trey Boston, the veteran that I know a lot of people wanted the 49ers to sign, he ended up signing in Carolina, and he's playing good football as well. So I think that's going to be a big test for the 49ers offense to go up against. Um, but one of their biggest weaknesses, I'd have to say, actually, is the Carolina Panthers offensive line. I was looking at uh, Pro Football Focus the other day, and the way that they line up with this 49ers defensive line, um, they don't. To put it simply, they just don't. They don't. They don't line up. They don't compare. Um, their highest-rated offensive lineman is their left tackle Daly, and he's a 75.7 PFF grade. Uh, the 49ers' lowest-graded starting defensive lineman is DeForest Buckner with 73.7, and they have two 90.3s in Eric Armstead and D Ford, and Nick Bosa, the rookie, is 82.9. So the fact that your lowest-rated defensive lineman is DeForest Buckner. I think that speaks volumes as to how the 49ers have really built this defense starting from the inside out. Um, DeForest Buckner is, as we all know, you know, as dominant of a as a um, defensive lineman as they come. And the guy is huge. He's a beast. He's a run stopper. He's a, you know, he'll get you sacks. So the fact that he's playing, I don't want to say the worst because he's not playing bad at all. He's just not playing the best out of the 49ers defensive line. It just speaks to how well his surrounding cast is actually playing. So um, those are definitely what I would say the strongest. I'm going to go with their defensive line, the Panthers defensive line, because they have been playing extremely well. And then their their, their best, I'm sorry, yeah, their worst is going to be their offensive line. So it's kind of both sides right there in the trenches for the Panthers. It's going to all be decided right then and there. Um Let's move on to the Panthers injury report. I'm sorry, not just the Panthers. 49ers versus Panthers injury report. Um, I know the 49ers, I'm sorry, fans on Twitter were kind of shocked to see that the 49ers announced that uh, Levine Toilolo was put on the injury report. It was kind of, at least for me, I didn't really see much about it leading up to it. I don't know if you did. But I think they said they ended up coming out saying that he had, he was questionable, I believe, with a quad injury. Did you hear that? Yeah, it was some kind of leg injury, and, uh, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't think uh, Toy Lolo, of all people, would just get hurt. And, you know, it's football, injuries happen, but, you know, outside of run blocking and pass blocking, he uh, he hasn't done too much, so... <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. I mean, his blocking is really important, so I'm curious as to how he really got the injury. might have been in practice, I want to say, but... uh yeah, Zach, I think this is like use check. This is another one of those uh, underrated serious injuries that can really affect the run game. Even the pass game, too, when he's pass blocking. Yeah, he's very useful and very effective. And the fact that we're losing another blocker, God, I mean, the, inj the injury bug on this team just can't go away, Zach. It really just can't go away. Gabby, other than the Chargers and maybe the Browns, I think the Niners are still one of the most unlucky teams in football, even if we are 6-0. and Man, I don't know if you saw, but the Chiefs, did you see their injury report? It's just going totally off topic here, but the Chiefs' injury report was like a starting lineup. It was just ridiculously long, and we can only hope that the serious injury bug has moved on from the 49ers, and I don't wish that on any team, 
But as long as it's out of San Francisco, Santa Clara, I'm fine with that because the 49ers suffered through that injury bug illness for far too long. Um, and I also read that 49ers, uh, they moved Ross Dwelly to fullback to try and replace Kyle Juszczyk. I think that's going to be an interesting interesting switch, um, especially if they're without Toilolo. I, I think he had been blocking a little bit. So now if he's not going to if he's not going to play, I know Kyle said I believe today that if if um, the game was today that they would likely keep him out. So that's kind of telling. Uh, going through the injury report some more, I know um, Kel Witherspoon's definitely out. Mostert's questionable. Joe Staley's doubtful. Uh, Kyle did say in a press conference this week that Staley was going to try and get some individual practices in uh, alongside the team. So that's definitely promising to see. It would be great to have him back within the next you know couple weeks. And then also kind of a definitely a more serious note. I just wanted to send some thoughts and prayers out to 49ers wide receiver Marquise Goodwin. He's missed uh, two days of practice this week with a non-injury related. Uh, kind of unfortunately seems like he's going through something serious, excuse me, with his family. So just wanted to send some thoughts and prayers out to Marquis Goodwin. Uh, hope everything is well with you, you and yours. Definitely this, you know, life transcends football. So definitely whatever you got going on, I hope it all takes care of itself and the best possible option. Yeah. Even if Marquis Goodwin hasn't really been effective that season, he, uh, he really has been going through some life issues, some personal issues, and no one should have to go through the game of football or go through any major sport if it means that they're playing under major distress from life. And the fact that he's going through another personal issue is just brutal. So pray, prayers after Marquise, man. He uh, He's a baller. He's a trooper. And I think, you know, you see all these trade rumors and you see all this BS and this and that. Well... Even with Sanders' acquisition, Goodwin should be a Niner still. I think when he's healthy, he's a big-time playmaker. He's another one of those guys that can take, take the tops off of defenses, and uh, even if he only gets a couple catches, he draws a lot of attention. So Goodwin has a lot of usefulness to this team, and I think he still does. And he's, I really think he still has a lot to show. So I really hope he gets all that stuff sorted out. I really hope he takes the time to step away from the game, be with his wife, be with his family, be with anyone he needs to be, and just, you know, gets it out of the way. So, Zach, after we've gone through those injuries, you know, the Niners are pretty banged up, the Panthers are relatively healthy. With that being said, what kind of game can we expect from Jimmy Garoppolo? The Panthers have a very frisky, very pesky uh, secondary. They're very handsy. They can pick balls off. They can swat balls down. And uh, they're getting Dante, Jock Dante Jackson back, excuse me, one of the fastest DBs in the game. They also have James Bradbury, another very solid corner, and, of course, former safety and former Niners safety in particular, Eric Reed. So the passing game is going to be tested big time. It's going to speak to show how effective our wide receivers can be, especially with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders. But, of course, it starts with Jimmy Garoppolo. So i got to ask you, what kind of game do you think he can have on Sunday? Um, well, however it shapes out, he's going to have a, a big game. And I don't, I don't mean stats-wise. I mean it's the results are going to be largely predicated by how he plays. So I think he, he needs to have a big game, especially to kind of quiet all this other 
nonsense about how he's not playing well and how he hasn't lived up to expectations and he doesn't of course need to do that but i think it would be best moving forward if the 49ers and jimmy garoppolo can prove that they're able to win on his arm they're able to win without 200 yards rushing they're able to win without their defense playing absolutely lights out while all those things are obviously great to have it would be nice to prove if necessary that jimmy can go out there and win you games so i think he's gonna have um uh, I'd love to say, you know, 20 for 28, maybe 250 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He's probably good for about one interception a game is what we've been saying. So he's got some questionable play calls. I, you can chalk that up to him still being early as a, as a starter. Uh, he's not really used to some of the looks he's getting or, you know, whatever you want to chalk it up to. He, there's usually at least one throw per game he wants back. Usually more than that, but one that the defense is able to capitalize on. So I think he'll he'll probably have, you know, like I said, 20 for 28, 250, two touchdowns and a pick. I think Emmanuel Sanders, like we've said a few times coming into this team, looking to largely have a, a pretty big impact on the game Sunday. I think that's going to go play pretty well into Jimmy's favor. Because he's going to have a nice weapon out there, an experienced weapon who's played in big games. He's played in the Super Bowl. He's played in playoffs. He's played with Peyton Manning. So he, he he's just he knows what it takes to win. He knows what it takes to be successful. He knows what it takes to run successful routes. And I think Jimmy's going to just fall in love, essentially. Uh, what do you think Jimmy's game's going to be like, Anthony? Do you think he's going to have a bad game, a good game? Is he going to light it up? Um, what do you think? You know, I think every week, even the Redskins game, after knowing about the rain, I think a lot of us have had really high expectations about Jimmy G. And this is going to be the first game where I'm going to lower my expectations because, quite frankly, Jimmy G hasn't been impressive. He's been getting the job done. He's been game managing very well. But we still haven't seen that big blow-up game. And, you know, in the game of football... When offenses play really good defenses, like Niners are playing a very stingy secondary, teams tend to just blow up good defenses out of nowhere, and it'll happen. So, if Jimmy G can prove me wrong and have a huge game, and I'm not talking about, like, five touchdowns, no picks, 500 yards, but I mean just three touchdowns and an interception, which he's good for, usually... And just 300, 350 yards, I want to see solid numbers from him. And I don't mean, you know, garbage time numbers, hopefully if they're not losing by then. But whether it's a tight game, whether it's a, you know, game where the Niners are down, I just want to see Jimmy G make really clutch throws and really just open up the offense because we have yet to see this offense really blossom and bloom into, you know, something spectacular. I mean, the last time we've really seen the offense play well, and I mean, like, all sides of the ball really well, I feel like was the Bengals game. And that feels like so long ago. So can the Niners do it against the Panthers? Absolutely. I think Kyle Shanahan can expose the hell out of these guys. Again, now that he has Emmanuel Sanders, and especially now that Jimmy G has Emmanuel Sanders, anything is possible with this offense. And uh, if the run game can get going early, get the Panthers to stack the box, open up the receivers... Oh, we could be looking at a 30, 40 point game. 
I mean, this game is going to be huge, too, because the Niners are going to be playing in sunny, nice weather. After coming off the Redskins, and, you know, it feels like it's been forever since the Niners have played in nice weather, although it was a Rams game a couple weeks ago. That game was so sloppy, the infamous mud bowl, they like to call it. So I think the Niners are going to come out. They're going to be really anxious and really antsy to just open up the offense, get plays going, because we didn't see it at all in the Redskins game. And the fact that <laughs> we got Emmanuel Sanders, uh, the team is slowly getting healthier. It's just, it's really exciting. And this is the time of year where Jimmy G needs to show he can make a deep playoff run if the rest of his team can't pick it up. And I'm talking about the defense, the run game, special teams even, and so on and so forth. So I'm not doubting that Jimmy G is a franchise quarterback because he has shown um, that he's capable of being the guy. But we haven't seen him be the guy this season yet, in my opinion. So this Panthers game is the time for him to prove that he's got what it takes to really take this team deep into the playoffs, not just the defense or the run game. I'm talking Jimmy G. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen that the Jimmy G that we all fell in love with uh, since his first five starts with the team, um, going back to his first his first season with us. Uh, that signature Jacksonville game or the Tennessee Titans game, even that Chicago Bears game, uh, his first season with the 49ers, those were signature Garoppolo games. That side-art touchdown to Trent Taylor in the end zone against the Jaguars. So I would love to see some of that, Jimmy G, but I think it also, you know, it's him still getting mentally healthy from this injury, getting over it, trusting his legs, uh, not being afraid to put weight on it. So I think it all comes into play and you have to factor it all in when you account for why he's not playing at an elite level, Um, even if you could argue that he was playing at that back then. So I think it will come. It just takes time, and he's slowly but surely getting there. I, I, Before we move on to discuss what we can expect from this 49ers running game on Sunday, I just wanted to ask you real quick, since we were talking about the Panthers secondary, what did you think of Eric's Reed, Eric Reed's comments about how, pretty much how he was coming out on Sunday with a chip on his shoulder, almost, almost insinuating like the 49ers did him wrong? What do you think about that? You know... When football players talk about past issues, I really don't care. I really don't care. It's like, at least Eric Reed still has some respect for the Niners, but he talks about how they did him dirty and this and that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, just, you're on a new team. You're doing a new thing. Get over it and just play football. Now, I respect that the football players have opinions. I'm not saying that. I think he should be quiet because the fact that he's voicing his opinions, I think is really good. But at the same time, I don't like to see players really dwell in the past and just get worked up over something like that because it's like, you're on a new team, you're in a new situation, you got the Niners ahead of you. Let's just get it rolling. Just go out there and practice and play. I mean, I think he has the potential to do some good things still. I mean, he's not past his prime yet, but... You know, for right now, he's all talk until he wants to make something happen. And quite frankly, he might be matching up against George Kittle. So the fact that he's got a matchup against one of the deadliest tight ends in all of football, he's either going to put up or he's going to shut up. And it's going to happen fast. So I'm glad Reed is talking about his opinions. 
But, dude, that's in the past. Just get ready for Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I, I essentially have two things to say about that. Number one, he kind of he, he, he felt the need to cite Navarro Bowman being released when, in fact, Bowman asked for his release because, from at least from what the, the word was, he didn't want to take a backseat in a more of a mentor role to a Reuben Foster. So the 49ers did him right. They could have easily have traded him. Um, I, I, I could be wrong, but I think I read somewhere that they had a trade in place with the Saints. And he said no, he would rather have his choice of where to go. They did just that, and he was able to keep his family in the Bay Area and go play for the Raiders. So I thought that was interesting that he felt that that was a, a valid point as to how this organization was just doing players dirty left and right that, that time period. And then two, he he kind of was saying, you know, that they they cost him money in a contract year by asking him to play a different position. And while that may seem like there were some ulterior motives in the, at, at play, I highly doubt the 49ers were looking at that from a let's get this guy's value diminished so we can get him back here on a, a cheaper expense. I highly doubt that was yeah, came into their into factor. I honestly think, and this is from a purely speculative point, of course, I honestly think it was more so of, this is what the team needs of you right now. We feel you're best suited to play it rather than going and signing somebody off the street or trying to make a trade. Um, and they asked him to do it. And at the time he did it, but apparently looking back on it now, he doesn't feel like it was right for them to ask that of him. And that's, like you said, totally 100% fine for him to have that opinion. I just disagree with it. And lastly, I'll just throw this out there real quick. The 49ers were uber supportive of his protest. Um, we can't act like that didn't happen. We can't act like the 49ers weren't there for him and completely 100% supported him throughout that. So I just think it's a little bit weird how he's trying to throw shade on the organization and kind of try and mar his time with them like that. And, I, you know, they'll leave it all out on the field Sunday, that's for sure. I just had to ask you about it. Uh, we can move on now. What do you think we can expect from the 49ers running game going up against this tough Carolina Panthers defense? So what's funny is, if, if I read it right, I think I saw that the Panthers' run game was actually really, excuse me, the Panthers' run defense was actually pretty ineffective. Okay, I have it right here. The Panthers, according to Kevin A. Molina, who I think got it off of PFF, I could be wrong, they have the 30th ranked run defense by a DVOA. And DVOA basically determines the overall value of a team's offense, defense, and so on. And uh, he also says that they're bottom 10 in yards per game allowed, and they're bottom 10 in yards per carry allowed. So I think that this Panthers defense is really exposable. Yeah, I saw that, and I think it'll be a relatively big game, even with the 49ers starting tackles still out uh, yet another game. I think Brita, uh, Tico, even with Mostert you know, landing up on the injury report, I think they can have a relatively big game and take some of the load off of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, speaking of just kind of taking the load off this offense and this team in general, how do you think Levi's Stadium comes into play? I know when the Niners were winning and things were going well and we had the who's got it better than us era and uh, candlestick, 
that stadium was it was a factor it wasn't i'm not going to say it was the 12th man or you know anything like that that large of a factor and, and loud loudness however it was a factor and you could feel the sort of an intensity the playoff atmosphere like intensity in almost every home game do you think levi's is slowly approaching that are they there yet is it going to take a while uh what do you think about that i think it's still going to take some time for Levi Stadium to really build up and be what Candlestick used to be. You know, it seems like that Levi Stadium just, excuse me, I don't know, just the crowd atmosphere still needs to build up. You know, fans are finally going to home games. And I mean, I know there's only been a couple home games, but the Steelers game kind of felt a little rough at first. And then the Browns game definitely was a lot better. I mean, Levi Stadium was rocking during the Browns game. So if they can just, if us fans, I mean, I know I'm going to the Panthers game, you're going to the Panthers game. We uh, we got to light it up for these guys, man. We got to really make our, we got to really make our voices clear and make our voices known. Because I think the fans play just as important of a role as obviously the Niners do. You know, all it takes is some loud defense chance, some loud chance to really knock off the other team. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot of skepticism about it, but I really believe in home field advantage. And obviously the Niners and Levi Stadium hasn't been known for that for the past few seasons. But now that the team is actually winning, and now that we actually have something to look forward to, we have every reason to be loud and be rocking. So if we can even get Levi's to half of what Candlestick used to be, I think you'll get bumping pretty fast. Yeah, and I know you said at the beginning of your answer there that the Steelers game started out a little rough, and while a, a good amount of that stadium was filled with black and yellow jerseys, Steelers fans traveled pretty well. Um, definitely the whole second half of that game, if not more, was intense. The atmosphere there was electric. You could feel just 49ers fans trying their hardest to impact the game for the 49ers. And especially when it got down towards the end and, you know, the 49ers were trying to get that last stop and the, the, the crowd was rocking, man. The crowd was so loud. You could feel the vibrations just, you know, seeping through the stands. It was amazing. Um, I think they're slowly getting back there. Like you said, a lot of people are still kind of skeptical about this team I think as the team slowly builds trust back in their fans, slowly builds trust back in themselves, they'll kind of feel like a playoff team. They'll put that product out on the field week after week consistently, and fans will be more inclined to buy tickets and more inclined to go out there and, you know, lose their voice for the next week at work like I know I did after that Steelers game that we were at. So it's 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 slowly but surely getting there. Um Let's move into uh, wrapping this up, and we're going to move into our RGS mailbox question questions. Excuse me. Uh, the first question we have from Fia Eva: If the 49ers don't lose against the Panthers on Sunday, when will they get their first loss? Nah, nah, Fia Eva, nineteen to zero. Nah, you know, with the way the team's been playing, if the offense looks explosive against the Panthers pretty solid defense then we have a real shot at going 16 and 0 i'm sorry but as always and as uh 
yearly as it is, Seattle is always going to be a tough environment to play in. Uh, I think we have Seattle at home in two weeks, if I'm correct. I could be wrong, but I think we have them at home in two weeks. Um, Russell Wilson always finds a way to torch the Niners. He really does. And the fact that he looks vulnerable this season gives me every reason to believe that the Niners can finally beat Seattle. Just finally, finally, finally get some momentum. Uh, if not Seattle, I think uh, Arizona. Green Bay is always a massive problem also. We should have beat them, I think, what, last year, a couple years ago, C.J. Beathard? And just some stupid, unlucky flags and penalty calls. I mean, Greg Maven, man, got toasted that game bad. So Green Bay is going to be tough. Obviously, New Orleans is going to be tough. You know, I think those games, Seattle, Green Bay, and New Orleans are going to be the toughest games to beat. Uh, Baltimore is up there, but I, you know, Lamar Jackson's a nice playmaker, but something about Baltimore just kind of makes me think they're a little overrated. So with that being said, the three teams I listed and maybe Baltimore are going to be the ones to watch for if the Niners are going to lose. But at this rate, I really wouldn't be surprised if they finish 13-3, and 12-4, 14-2. You know, I could be shooting the gun a little too fast, but, uh, you know, I have a lot of confidence in this team, and I think a lot of other people do too. I love it. I love it. Um, I definitely think, and by the way, yeah, you were right. Uh, they do face the Seahawks at home in two weeks, and it'll be a Monday night game. And it's going to be a tough game for the 49ers because they're coming off a short week. They have the Cardinals in Arizona on Halloween on that Thursday night. And then that following Monday, uh, they have the Seahawks at home. So it's going to be – I'm sorry, not the following Monday, but the Monday after that. It's going to be a, a, a big, big game for them. However, I think the game – I think they win that game. I think that even coming off a short week, uh, playing in the, in the spotlight, national stage, I think they win that game. I think the game that they're, to be honest with you, most likely to lose is the Packers game. And it's not because strictly because it's a huge, you know a tough matchup for them. One, you always have the capability of losing when Aaron Rodgers is the opposing quarterback. That's always a realistic chance of that happening. And two... This Packers team, man, we've seen them. We've seen them get some very, very questionable calls to help them out. And we have to factor that in, unfortunately. Um, but I, I I think it's it's a very, very good shot that they have a, a, a tough game that week. Uh, moving on to the next question from Jay on Twitter. Do you think Emmanuel Sanders will be a key component to a successful Super Bowl run? Yeah, Absolutely. Like we talked about earlier, Emmanuel Sanders is just, he's a different kind of playmaker, even at his age. You know, in this type of offense, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense, any receiver, any running back, any tight end can look like the next big thing. Now, I'm not knocking George Kittle because George Kittle's talent is just all worldly. He's the best tight end in the league. But I mean, Shanahan's offensive scheme can make guys like Dante Pettis, Richie James, Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor just look like all-world athletes. And again, I'm not knocking them, but Kyle Shanahan can scheme the hell out of those wide receivers open. And now that he finally has a wide receiver that I don't think he'll need to scheme open. I think he can just get open on his own, and Emmanuel Sanders is huge. 
So again, the fact that he has this, he has a fun, <laughs> he has a fun new toy to really get the offense moving and really finally get something going with uh, Jimmy G. I think his play is going to be huge in the Super Bowl run. Again, when the run game isn't going and it's a tight shootout, say 30 to 31, you know, 24, 21, just a close game, you're going to need that wide receiver to step in and make a big play. Emmanuel Sanders has done that in the past. He's done it in the Super Bowl. He's done it in the playoffs. And he sure as hell can do it in this Niners offense. So I think he is definitely already one of the most important pieces for the Niners to just get deep in the playoffs and especially get in the Super Bowl. Yeah, 100%. If they happen to make the Super Bowl, I have no doubt in my mind Emmanuel Sanders would have a large, large uh, part to do with that. Um, without it, I, I find it hard to believe that they would be able to do it with their current production out of their wide receivers. Also, looking at it from a totally different aspect, Emmanuel Sanders should be able to provide that veteran leadership-like uh, quality that Sherman has been providing to the younger defensive backs. Emmanuel Sanders should be able to come in, get this younger wide receivers room in order, teach them what he knows, help him see what he sees, and that should play really, really well into the 49ers' hands because it, it helps get and I know they have Marquise Goodwin who's a very, you know, a very good vet, a very experienced player. However, he hasn't really seen the success that uh, Emmanuel Sanders has. So Sanders should be able to impact this team positively in more than one aspect moving forward. And yes, he would definitely be a large part of if they made it to the Super Bowl. Next question we have from a Nick Goodwin. Do the 49ers go after Josh Gordon if he clears waivers? And if so, who do you think would be the corresponding release on the roster? You know, it's a pipe dream of mine if the Niners went after Josh Gordon. I know he's coming off of a, uh, quote, questionable knee injury that he says he's recovering from a lot faster than what the Patriots indicate. And the Patriots are likely going to clear him off of waivers and make him a free agent. I think that since Josh Gordon has familiarity with Kyle Shanahan when they played in Cleveland, I believe... Josh Gordon would be, oh, he'd be, again, he'd just be a huge dream to have on this team. You know, this is a guy who's coming off of, I don't want to say addiction problems, I'm not too sure, but he has he has had drug problems in the past. He looks like he's cleared himself of that. He's a very humble guy, very friendly, very, uh, just very outspoken and just focuses on his craft. And I think the Niners could use another veteran addition in the wide receiver room. You know, I don't think they'll make the move, which really sucks. But if they did, I think Jordan Matthews would be the wave. I don't know why, but Richie James might be the wave. I think they like Kendrick Bourne. Uh, I don't like hearing this, but I heard that Dante Pettis was involved in some trade rumors. And I really like Pettis a lot. I don't think they should give up on him. But if that's the case and they do decide to go after another wide receiver, Dante Pettis could sadly be an option that doesn't get cut, but he definitely gets traded. So I think the options are out there on the table. I think Josh Gordon could bring massive amount of playmaking to a Niners wide receiver room that even after Emmanuel Sanders could use another really solid player off on the other side. And uh, once Debo comes back fully healthy, I think that'll be good to go too. But for the time being, another veteran receiver would not be bad at all. And Josh Gordon still has a lot in the tank. 
you know, he hardly has any mileage on, on him after the, all the time he's missed. And again, he just has, I, I really think he has it. And in this offense, he would be one of the best wide receivers in the league, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to answer this pretty simply. Should they? Yes. Would they? I don't think they would. I don't think they would. And uh, it would really go to speak to how much value they would put on winning immediately, one, and two, uh, how little trust they do have in their own guys sort of developing at a faster rate. And it would kind of, you have to equally balance that, you know, sort of equation of keeping the locker room intact when you have a good thing going and adding dynamic players at the same time who could kind of throw things out of whack, throw things off balance. Um, I know he's got experience in Shanahan's system in Cleveland. However, I just really don't think they would do that. If they did, I totally agree with you. You could see a guy like uh, a Richie James cut. Um, I, I think they do like Bourne a little bit too much. Or not too much. I don't, I don't want to say too much. I like Bourne. I think they like him too much to be released if that were the case. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think they would if they if they if he was released and they're talking purely from a win now perspective. I could definitely see the argument for saying they should do that, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, moving on to the next question from Len on Twitter. Where would you rank Carolina's pass rush pass rush amongst the teams that the 49ers have already played? Now, I believe that the Panthers have one of the best pass rushes we have faced yet. The Redskins actually have a pretty good pass rush. They have a lot of good pieces on that defensive line, but unfortunately, and fortunately, we really didn't see much of it because of the rain. Uh, the Rams obviously have a really good defensive line. Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, Dante Fowler, those guys can ball. But our offensive line limited them pretty well. I mean, Aaron Donald, I think, only had one sack. Maybe one sack, one and a half. That might have been it, though. Uh, the week before, the Browns, Miles Garrett only had one sack. And I mean, Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Emmanuel Ogba, I believe. You know, those guys can ball out. So, so far, I think the Panthers will have the best pass rush that we're going to see yet. Uh, Gerald McCoy, Dontari Poe, Vernon Butler, Mario Addison. Obviously, uh, Bruce Irvin is a pretty decent pass rusher himself. He can kind of do it all. But the biggest name of them all, rookie Brian Burns. This guy is just otherworldly. You know, outside of Nick Bosa, Brian Burns has arguably been the next best pass rusher that's come out of that draft class. And Josh Allen has been pretty good. But the name you're hearing about the most is Brian Burns. And he's going to come off the edge fast. And I mean fast, fast. He can put his hand in the dirt. He can rush standing up. He can kind of do it all. So whoever he's lined up over, whichever tackle, they're going to have a hard time, I think, stopping Brian Burns. And we're really going to see the beauty of Jimmy Garoppolo's fast release because if the offensive line can't hold up, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to get that ball out in under three seconds. And again, this is where guys like Emmanuel Sanders need to step up. And I know this is his first game, but... This is the biggest game he's going to play in this season already. I think the expectations are going to be high for Sanders. I think the expectations are high on himself as well. But I think Jimmy G is really going to need to rely on Sanders to just get open and get the ball out fast because that Panthers pass rush is ferocious. 
and again, I arguably think they are one of the best pass rushes in the league, and they are so far the best pass rush I believe the Niners are going to have to face this season. Yeah, I mean, in short, they're the best. They're the best in sacks in the NFL, and to put it mildly, they're the best that the 49ers will have faced so far. I don't think that's a hot take at all to say that. Next question from Big T on Twitter. When is Juice coming back from his MCL sprain? And uh, I can go ahead and answer this. This this doesn't really need to be any debate. Um, I think earlier this week, uh, Kyle said that he was running again and that he was doing so on the side of the field and that he was actually feeling really good. And according to Kyle himself, he said that the timetable for his return should be another week or two and that he was going to run hard this week and kind of see how he felt. And that would kind of be a good measuring stick as far as where he's where he's at in his recovery. So I think you could either see him expect to see him in the uh, Arizona game, although I highly doubt he plays that game, even if he's feeling better. Just because the stakes aren't as high, they're not, you know, it's not a absolutely key matchup for the 49ers, although it is a divisional matchup. They should win that game without him, no problem. I think he's really eyeing that Seattle game to return. That's going to be a big matchup. It's primetime football. It's Monday night. So I, I would expect to see Kyle Juszczyk back if all goes well and he doesn't have any more setbacks, that Monday night game against Seattle. Now, wrapping things up here, Anthony. The 49ers, like we've been talking about, they face the Carolina Panthers Sunday. Give me A, your final score predictions, and B, you can pick one player, offense, defense, special teams, uh, that will be key to this game and predict their stats for me. Okay. Now I'm going to take the high road here because I really think the Niners are going to pick off Kyle Allen. I think they're going to make him – fumble the hell out of the ball and I think we can expect three turnovers from our Niners defense that's not a bold take with how well this defense has been playing I think they can get three turnovers excuse me I think they can get three turnovers so with that being said my prediction is the Niners hmm, let's go with Niners 28 I think they can expose this Panthers defense pretty well if Kyle Allen can't get the offense moving and the defense is just going to have to constantly constantly be on the field for the Panthers. I think Shanahan can really open up his offense now that he has Sanders and really just expose the Panthers' defense quickly. So I'm going to roll with Niners, a comfortable 28, but I think the Panthers are only going to get 10 points. 28 to 10, that's going to be my prediction. And if I had to pick one player to predict their stats, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to roll with Nick Bosa. He has been otherworldly. He looks like defensive rookie of the year. He looks like a, uh, he damn near looks like an all pro player already. So I think Nick Bosa can force two fumbles this game. I think he's going to get two sacks. I think he's going to get a few tackles. He's going to get a few TFLs. Nick Bosa has just been one of the best players on our team by far. He can force fumbles, he can get sacks, he can tackle for losses. I think tackle for loss, tackle for losses, I think that's right. Nick Bosa can basically do it all. And then a game like this with a questionable offensive line where Nick Bosa has a huge favorable matchup, I think we're going to see three sacks from Nick Bosa, 
two of which are strip sacks. <laughs> I'm just going to say five TFLs and I think, what, seven tackles overall? I think Nick Bosa is going to cause a lot of havoc on Sunday. Damn! All right. Well, we can only hope so, man. That would be a hell of a game from the rookie. Um, it's definitely going to be rookie on rookie. Bosa on Burns are going to be showing out, trying to see, trying to prove who's the better rookie in the matchup. And I, I, I mean, we can all hope that it's definitely Bosa that comes out on top. Uh, for my final score, I'm going to say 21-13 49ers. I think it's going to be a relatively lower scoring game. Um, defenses are kind of going to have a strong part, strong, uh, strong case to play on the field on Sunday, both defenses. So I, I think 21-13 is a relatively solid prediction. And for my player, I'm not wasting any time. I'm going for newcomer, Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's going to get five catches on seven targets, 83 yards, and a score. I think that's a pretty good stat line for him. So, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, I'm Zach. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. I'm joined here again by my good friend Anthony. Let them know where they can find you at. All right, guys. <clears throat> the social media to roll with is my Twitter, Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, underscore 49ers. That's again, Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, underscore 49ERS. All right. And again, guys, both Anthony and I will be at the game on Sunday. If you want to come say what's up, take a picture, grab a drink. Just tweet at us, say what's up, and uh, we'll see what we can do to meet up. Hopefully, we can meet up. Yeah, excuse me. Hopefully, we, we can meet up with you guys after the 49ers are seven and zero.